depend on it. WSB's Eric Erickson. The WSB 24-hour breaking news center is active. That guarantees you'll hear breaking news, weather, and traffic alerts immediately during Hannity and during Atlanta's evening news 5 to 7. Depend on it. Now it's time for Jamie Dupree. The most connected man in D.C. on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, I am very angry with Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington, D.C. And it's not- Why is that, Sean? Because somebody, not me, got to sit in the Supreme Court today and hear oral arguments in the case of King versus Burwell. This is the Obamacare challenge to the legality of 75% of Obamacare. And I'm going to be very upfront. I am jealous. I am envious. And I hate you for it. I just, it was I'm, pretty cool. I mean, I had a. I'm just uh, kidding, by the way. Go ahead. I was about uh, three feet in, uh, in front of a gigantic marble pillar on the left side, sort right. of ante room of the court. So I had a two justice view. I could see through. They, they have these sort of ceremonial, I'd call them gates, that separate us from the courtroom that are adorned with acorns. And looking through the acorns, I could see both the Chief Justice and Justice Kennedy. As we were all jammed in there, I mean. Yeah, By I the way, those are the two guys you want to see. Yeah, well, that's. I, I was sort of happy that I I could see them. Um, you know, it, we're it's it, it might be hard for people to believe, but the press we're jammed in on these tiny little chairs, elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder. I mean, I don't get that close to my wife most of the time. I was almost <laughs> like spilling into the lap you of do, the young you do uh, have, woman next to me. You do have me. children, don't you, Jamie? Yes, exactly. Well, I think you it got was, that um, close to your wife once or twice, anyway. You know, look. Uh, it reminded me a lot, Sean. I was there for all three days of the of the arguments almost three years ago. It'll be three years at the end of the month. And it reminded me uh, clearly of that. You had a very sharp divide on the court. The four more liberal justices made very clear that they are not going to vote for uh, the plaintiffs in this. They're not going to. So you have, uh, from your position, sometimes this is hard to judge, but I would agree with you based on everything that I read. So you're convinced we got four votes that are... In other words, they're against the challenge. I think so. I mean, I would, uh, agree. I would agree with you. Yeah. Ginsburg, Kagan, Sotomayor, and um, who am I missing? And Breyer. It, it just didn't seem like they were at all amenable to any of the arguments being made by Michael Carvin, who is the lawyer for the four people who are challenging this. In fact, as, as does happen, this was not odd in the sense, if you go to the Supreme Court arguments, the, the first attorney that speaks, I mean, sometimes that attorney can't get three words out of his or her mouth, and there's a justice that's on top of them immediately. And today it was Justice Ginsburg, and she immediately demanded to know whether the four people who brought this lawsuit had the legal standing to go through with it. And that was actually, it was discussed a number of times. And at one point, uh, when, when the Solicitor General went into that a little at the beginning of his presentation, you could tell it sort of aggravated the Chief Justice because he said something to the effect of, so are you raising the standing question? And, you know, it, the, the lawyer said that, no, these people could still sue, but it was clear the government wanted it to sort of hang out there that they weren't so sure let me, about let me that. Put, let me put some emphasis on this, because I don't think a lot of people understand this. The, the issue of standing comes up in almost every case. I've listened to enough Supreme Court cases since they release tapes of them when they do. To, one of the first questions they will always ask, you know, why are you here? Why, why are we here? Why, you know, why do you have standing in this case? Why is this before the Supreme Court? It is a very common thing. And I think what you're pointing out, when you hear it, it's, it's almost like when a liberal won't answer my question, you, they can start arguing lawyers. They've got to be sharp. Because within two seconds of you beginning your arguments, they may jump right in. Oh, Ginsburg was all over him at the start. And again, that's that's not odd. It does happen. All the time, yeah. And we went from there, Ginsburg starting with that, to uh, Kagan and Sotomayor and Breyer 
all uh, giving it to uh, the, the lawyer Michael Carvin. You know, that the, the refrain from Justice Kagan several times was this is not about uh, four or five words. You have to look at the whole text. Justice Kennedy at one point made he made me sort of stop and look up because he raised the issue with saying that a judgment against the Fed, so a judgment against the subsidies being offered through healthcare.gov, would set up an unequal healthcare system, which itself could be found as unconstitutional. And I sort of sat up and thought to myself, is he raising the the thought here that if you find these subsidies unconstitutional, you could then find the entire health law set up as unconstitutional? He didn't really get into that later. Well, you know what? Nobody has pointed that out. I have not seen in all my analysis of the arguments today. I think that's a very perceptive point. And Kennedy didn't really tip his hand which way he was going. He gave tough questions to both sides. I've covered him enough and enough Supreme Court uh, arguments over there not to know what he's going to do. The chief justice didn't really tip his hand either. I mean, he asked some questions here and there, but for the most part, was not he was not as sharp. Well, th- there was a report that he stayed quiet. Well, he might have been quiet, but he said stuff. Yeah. I've heard that, too, and I, I would totally disagree. He did not get into a lot of questioning, but right. he certainly wasn't silent like Justice Thomas, who again did not say a word in today's arguments. Yeah, which is very common for him, and that's yes, his, that's what his he way. Does, yep. He sits back, he takes it all in. What a lot of, see, this is why I'm so jealous, because having heard tapes of Supreme Court arguments, I'm just fascinated by it, because it, the, the, these these justices, whether you agree or disagree with them, I, I am I'm more on the Scalia uh, Justice Thomas side of things, and in other words, a strict constructionist, and to hear them, especially uh, Scalia, is biting, and and also in his written, you know, uh, comments as well, he can be really sarcastic, funny, entertaining, and they're all bright. Well, most oh, yeah. of them, they're Two very, things. very One- bright, and they come in very prepared. One thing on Alito, he, he to me, he outright floated the idea of a ruling that would strike down the subsidies. But he said that it would be stayed until the end of the year so that people would not be tossed out of their insurance right away and that the states then and the Congress would have, you know, six months to try to figure out what's next. Justice Scalia followed that with the Solicitor General and saying, well, you know, why wouldn't the Congress be able to do something like that? And the Solicitor General, in a very mocking tone, said, this Congress? And everybody roared with laughter inside the uh, inside the courtroom. It's actually pretty Take, funny. Taking a little jab at the Congress across the street. There were a bunch of lawmakers who were there today, including uh, Paul Ryan was there, Nancy Pelosi, and a few others. Yeah. So, I mean, coming out of this, look, there's a lot of interesting things you can delve into in the in the back and forth that w- went on. But I, you know, I don't like to predict uh, because the things can change. We learned that hard lesson again three years ago yep. with a lot of people thinking that the law was going to be struck down. But I'd have to say I do think that there are four solid votes against this from the liberal wing. And How many only, solid votes on the other side? I would say I would count, even though he didn't say anything, I would count Thomas Alito and Scalia and then wonder what uh, Kennedy and the chief justice are going to do. You know, it's do. funny because except for the health care vote that all the reports suggest that that Chief Justice Roberts changed his mind after he was going to go the other way with the conservatives on the court, he has mostly been conservative. And the yep. analysis has been that he's he's thinking that he doesn't want his court, being the Chief Justice, to be perceived, perhaps thinking about his legacy here, as political. And, you know, the report is is that he actually was going one way and then at the last minute flipped. Changed. Yeah. You've, I mean, you've read that, I've heard that, and it's frustrating because this could have been done with three years ago. It could have been. You're absolutely right. So, so I, But here's the interesting question, because it really does come down. I don't care what Kagan says. The law is very specific. And we're talking about 37 states that chose not to participate in Obamacare and that the subsidies shouldn't be going there. Correct. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, Justice Alito went through with the Solicitor General repeatedly today about that language and said, well, why doesn't it say established under this act or established by Health and Human Services or established this and that? And they went round and round on this, and the Solicitor General, of course, wouldn't back down on his argument. But What was his answer know, to that? Uh, just that, no, when you when you put together Section 1311 and Section 1321, this was a big discussion point for those real nerds about the Obama health law, that it all satisfies and works together in a way that uh, the established by the state doesn't really matter and it doesn't mean established by a state. It's explain, just how, explain the six words that are in question here. It's four, established by a state. Okay, and that well, is it, what it says is that the, the 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 proponents of the lawsuit say that it clearly the law clearly says that to get the subsidies you must participate in a in a in an exchange that has been established by a state, not an exchange that's been established by the federal government because these states didn't get into it uh, and decided against establishing their own exchange. So. You know, look, again and again, it was uh, it was one side saying you've got to read this straight up. The other side saying, you know, you've got to take it in context and show what all these different sections do and everything like that. And at base, the bitter political divide that is the Obama health law. What did uh, Justice Kagan say at one point in time? I get my notes here. She said something to the effect of uh, this uh, this uh, long saga, a never ending saga uh, about this. And, and in a sense, she's right. Uh, the, neither side is given an inch on this, and we're still sort of at the same point we were at three years ago. Where did uh, Scalia go in all this? Because I heard a lot about Alito and Kennedy and and the four liberals you mentioned. Oh, Scalia was was pushing hard on on. Um well, uh, he, he tangled a little with, uh, with the Solicitor General over the issue of, well, what if the Congress put together a law that, you know, wasn't 100% clean? You can't just sort of throw it out just because they wrote a bad law. And Scalia's point was, well, what are you talking about? Uh, this is not the most elegantly drafted statute, was the quote that I have here from him with three stars. And that's when he and, and Varelli got into the back and forth about, uh, you know, Scalia said, well, look, if we find these subsidies to be unconstitutional, why wouldn't the Congress be able to step in and figure out, well, why should we do it for the Congress and clean up, basically clean up their badly written legislative statute? So I'm so jealous. You know, I did have a chance to meet one justice one time. I met uh, uh, Justice Thomas. And first, as Linda would say, first of all, very humble, very nice and he has the most distinct laugh that is so infectious. It's pretty pretty interesting. I met him at Rush's wedding, and I met him one other time when I interviewed him. And his book was phenomenal. Did you ever read that book, My uh, Grandfather's no, that, no, Son? No, I met years ago, I met Justice Scalia. I think it might have been yeah. um, around the time of the first Bush inaugural. Yeah, that's when I think it was January of 93. And I was at a, an inaugural event and got talking to him and Bill Bennett. Yeah. And they um, and Scalia let go that he and Bill Bennett and other guys would get together to play poker. And I always thought, what a night that must be. That must be pretty cool. Name dropper. Go ahead. Just drop all the names. you want. Uh, I, I dropped one name. You the context of it. OK, uh, I dropped mine first. So I totally deserve that. Um, I did like today. I do have to say on a personal note, as we yeah. ran, as we came out of the courtroom, yeah. most of my colleagues had left their stuff down in the press room. I've done this enough times where you, you, I don't want to do that. I want to get outside as fast as I can. And other than the security guy who was in front of me, I was the first person coming down the stairs. And I have to say, 
just that whole scene of the hmm. press arrayed down below. Here they you, come! The, the demonstrators out there, and somebody yeah. sees a guy in a suit and tie coming out, and immediately everybody starts, you know, jumping into position. It is something. I, I As I walked across the Marble Plaza this morning to go in the Supreme Court, it reminded me how much I enjoy this. And I'm, uh, I'm really, I really mean, of all the stuff you get to do, this is the one thing I would like to do. I would Supreme love. Supreme Court's pretty cool to go that's to. That's pretty cool. Uh, all right, now, we've got Hillary problems. You've got the new subpoenas for Hillary's private emails, Benghazi uh, committee. You've got, you've really got four issues with her. Accepting the foreign donations. You've got this issue about emails. Clearly, it seems she broke the law. Uh, then we've got Benghazi. They knew it was a terror attack. We found out a little over a week ago. And then Orgy Island on the outside. Four big issues. Politico has a piece out today saying, maybe not so certain anymore. Well, you know, I look, I don't think on its face the email thing is a pain for her. Is it like something that's going to bring down the House? I'm not sure about that, but I, I, sh- I don't downplay it. I, it's amongst my colleagues who are routinely denounced as, you know, the liberal media. Talking well, they with are, my, but go ahead. Talking with my friends in recent days about this, this is one that has raised a lot of red flags up here on the Hill amongst reporters. That's interesting. The, yeah, and, and you just, you note the news organizations, and, you know, this is not some flybynight.com aligned with the right that's going after this or something. This is the New York Times and the AP. The AP had a very interesting story today about how the email server was set yeah, up by the Clintons. Robert Gibbs said, no, they were given very, very strict instructions. This, yep. this was very Again, clear. It's not the thing that, like, deep sixes her candidacy, mm-hmm. but it just sort of contributes to that drip, drip, drip of the daily stuff that they've got to answer that's sort of out there that really has nothing to do with her running for president. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not her out giving a speech. It's another story that this sort of leaves you like, what, what, what's going on there? Yeah. All right. Listen, uh, great job. Uh, congratulations. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, Jamie Dupree in Washington. See you, Sean. Talk to you tomorrow, 800-941-SEAN. Hey, listen, about, think about business, the time, money, hassle it takes. If you need to hold a meeting, let's see. You go, you get an airplane and travel expenses, and you get a rental car, and then you go to a hotel, and then you got to go back, and you do it all in reverse. Well, you know what? You can meet your clients, coworkers online with Citrix. Go to meeting. It's a smarter way to meet. It makes it simple and easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. Now, with GoToMeeting, you can meet from any computer, tablet, smartphone, iPad, and without the travel expenses, the hassle, the traffic. Now, you can Your team, you can join you by clicking on a link. No sign-up, no speed bumps. You turn on your webcam, perfect, and I mean perfect, HD quality. It's like being in the same room. You can share screens to present, review, and give feedback in real time. And with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so your team literally can get on the same page and get going. Now, they're so confident you're going to love it and it's going to change your life. I want you to try and sign up for GoToMeeting now. 30 days free, nothing to lose, no obligation. Go to their website, gotomeeting.com, gotomeeting.com. Click on the Try It Free button. Do it now. You'll have your first meeting up and running in just minutes. Go to meeting.com free for 30 days. Quick break. Right back. We got, let's see, Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska. We got Ann Coulter is coming up. And Ben Carson with an announcement. Straight ahead. Firing torpedoes of truth at a wall of lies. This is the John Hannity Show. News 95.5 and AM 750.